Riding the Bus, powered by Best in the U.S. Showcases. I'm your host, Trey Fowler, and our goal here each time is simple. To help the listener grow closer to reaching their potential in the game of baseball through the help of some of the game's best and brightest coaches and players. Without further ado, let's get on the bus. Welcome to Riding the Bus, powered by Best in the U.S. Showcases. I'm your host, Trey Fowler, and this is our second foundational episode of Riding the Bus, preparing you for the great content and information that is to come down the pipe from some of the best and brightest young coaches and players across the country. Thank you for joining us for this second episode. I hope you enjoyed the first in which we talked about true belief and the three pillars that go into true belief which include positive self-talk, which include visualization, and finally wrap up with hard work. If you haven't checked out that first episode, I invite you to go back and do that because these foundational episodes are in an effort to prepare you for the great content which is to come. And if you're going to reap the biggest benefits from that content, you have to understand the importance of these foundational episodes. True belief from episode one is one of the most powerful ingredients that you can add to your game, that you can put on your bus and make sure that that travels everywhere with you each and every day that you are a baseball player or you're competing, not just in the game of baseball, but in life as well. Today, we're going to get into our second foundational episode, and that is going to start the talk about controlling the controllables. Within the game of baseball, there are a lot of things that are outside of our control. We can't always control who we hit the ball to or how hard we hit it and if it's caught or what the umpires are doing or if the ball takes a bad hop or if a coach values something that we don't bring to the table. There are so many things that we cannot control in this game. It is very important for us to understand the things that we can control so we can place our energy, our effort, and our focus on those areas. In my opinion, there are five controllable areas that we have as it pertains to the game of baseball. And we're going to take some time today identifying the first three, and then our next episode, we'll identify the final two. The first I want to talk to you about are daily controllables. Daily controllables that include your effort, your energy, your attitude, your work ethic, your positivity, and being a great teammate. Let's take those one by one. Your effort is something that you have the ability to control day in and day out. What are you doing? It's one of those pillars we talked about of true belief. How hard are you working? How much effort are you putting into your game? Are you putting in effort in the weight room? Are you putting in effort in the classroom? Are you putting in effort on the field day in and day out? There are only 7% of high school players that go on to play college baseball. Are you in that 7% with your effort each and every day? That's how you need to think. You need to think when you wake up each and every day that you are going to be in that top 7%, that you are going to do what it takes to improve your game that day a little bit at a time. And before you know it, at the end of a week, at the end of a month, at the end of a year, you've developed so much because you controlled your effort 
each and every day. Effort is a huge controllable that you have power and you have influence over. Nobody else should be able to influence the effort you put in day in and day out. The second, energy. You want to bring energy to everything that you do, everything that you associate yourself with. You want to bring energy each and every day, whether it's in the dugout in a game, whether it's to the weight room, because not only will you reap the benefit of that energy, but everyone around you will reap the benefits of the energy that you bring each and every day attitude. Do everything that you do with a positive attitude, with a good attitude that you're going to go in and no matter if you succeed or if you fail or if things work out the way you want them to work out, you're going to make the most of it. You're going to take the most out of it. You control your attitude day in and day out. I have a lot of people talk to me and say, coach, but he did this or he did that, or I didn't get this or I didn't get that. At the end of the day, you control your actions and how you react to things. Don't let outside forces affect your attitude day in and day out. You be that same exact guy every single day and never, ever, ever let your attitude be something that holds you back. We've talked about work ethic, how you go about your business positivity. That's something that we talked about in the very first episode as a pillar of true belief. You got to be positive, not only with yourself, not only with positive self-talk, like we talked about in episode one, changing our thought process from I can't, I won't, I can't accomplish this to I will, I can, and I will make this happen. You have to be positive with those environments and those influences around you. No matter what the game of life or baseball throws at you, find a positive spin on it. Because when you let the negative consume you, the negative will defeat you. And then finally, in terms of daily controllables, be a great teammate. Be a great teammate. Why is this so important? Never more so than now are coaches, especially college coaches, but even travel ball coaches and high school coaches, they are looking for players that are great teammates, players that will take the time to help a teammate, players that will take the time to work with a teammate, players that are not consumed simply with themselves and their own performance, but A, are concerned with the well-being and performance of others. Being a great teammate will go a long way in not only getting you to the next level, but keeping you there. Once we understand what our daily controllables are and we take the time to master those, effort, energy, attitude, work ethic, positivity, and being a great teammate, we move in to the mental game controllables. We talked about the very first one in episode one, belief, true belief. That's one of the biggest aspects of your mental game controllables. And I felt like it was so important that we devoted a whole episode to it in episode one. So now that you have the understanding of that, we'll navigate through some of the other mental game controllables. The next is very important as well, being process-driven over results driven. When you are process driven in what you are doing, and then if you define your self-worth 
by the process rather than the results. You stay committed longer. You don't give up when things get tough. You don't quit when you don't get the results you want because you know ultimately at the end of the day, being committed to the process will get you the results you want in the end. But if you're only committed to the results, if you're only going to go and hit extra when you went two for four or when you went three for four, if you're only going to get up early and get that workout in when things are going well, then at the end of the day, you are never going to reach your full potential as a player. At the end of the day, you are never going to reach the accomplishments and the bars that you have set for yourself. But if you stay process-driven, committed every single day to your process in the weight room, on the field, in the classroom, with your daily controllables. If you find your self-worth and your happiness in the process over the results, you can accomplish great things within this game. I'm going to give you a personal story about being process-driven rather than results-driven. As a player, I played at Piedmont College up in North Georgia, Division III school. I went there as a freshman, got the opportunity to start on the mound as a freshman, and then we got a new coach my sophomore year. That coach came in, and everybody in the lineup had to run. So I couldn't – he didn't let me hit anymore, even though I had a great fall hitting. By the end of the year, I was able to work my way back into the starting rotation as a pitcher. My junior year – I come in, he had asked me to lose some weight over the summer. I dedicated myself. I lost the weight he wanted me to lose, lost 40 pounds, come in, have the worst year of my career as a player. And in the midst of that, there was much success going on around me. We were able to win a regional. We were able to go to a World Series. And at the end of the day, I was dejected because I didn't get the opportunity to contribute as much as I wanted to. At the end of that junior year, I went to my coach and I asked him, I said, coach, I'm coming back as a senior. I would like the opportunity to hit again. That's simply all I want. I don't want to just be a pitcher. I want an opportunity to be a two-way player again. So he told me that he would give me that opportunity. I went out that summer, had the best summer of my life, hit more home runs than I had ever hit, hit for a high average than I had ever hit for, worked my tail off. I was in a great spot going back into the fall. But once we got into the fall, the results that I had hoped for, the results that I had worked so hard for over the summer, they didn't come. I didn't have a great average. I didn't have a great fall. I didn't have a great performance. And I let that consume me. I was consumed by the results instead of being consumed by the process. I let the results drive me. I became someone nobody wanted to be around. And that whole situation got rocked when I was at home for Christmas break that year. I got a Christmas card in the mail and it said, it was from our head coach. And I carry this card with me to this day in my coaching bag or any bag that I have with me. And it said, Trey, when I first got here, you were the best team guy I had ever seen. But if your career ended today, I think you would not like how you would be remembered. And I remember reading that card. And I was actually on my way out to the batting cages when I read that card. And I remember going to the batting cages and being so angry and so mad 
that I had tears running down my face. But it brought me back to reality. It were, they were the words that I needed to hear to take me from a guy that was only consumed with the results to a guy that no matter what was going to be committed to the process. Before I let the, left those batting cages that day, I made it a promise to myself that no matter how my senior year in college went, whether if I played every single day and had a lot of success or if I didn't play at all, I was going to be committed and find happiness in the process. And for me, that process was going to be, I was going to have fun and enjoy BP every single day. I was going to have fun and enjoy practice every single day because I knew it was the last shot I had at it. I was going to have fun and enjoy being around my teammates. And I was in turn going to be someone that my teammates had fun and enjoyed being around. You see, because I knew I wanted to be a college coach. And I knew that the only way for me to get there was to have the backing, the respect, and the recommendation of the coaching staff that coached me. So I went from being results-driven to process-driven. Wouldn't you know it? Didn't start out necessarily as a starter that year. Started opening day because some guys got suspended, but then found myself relegated to a role on the bench, coming off the bench to pinch hit. And as luck would have it, a player wasn't taking care of business off the field, got removed from the team. It opened up the door from, for me. I went from being a bat off the bench to being our three-hole hitter for the rest of the year. I led our team in hitting up until senior night, and then I went in a skid into the conference tournament. But we won our first conference tournament championship as a team. We set a legacy for the school by winning that first championship. And that's something that never, ever happens for me if I don't make the change from being results-driven to being process-driven. Being process-driven, it's such a powerful, powerful thing. I came up with this quote several years back. You cannot change your outcome until you're willing to supply the proper income. You can't change your outcome until you're willing to supply the proper income. I made the change. I supplied the proper income in being process-driven over results-driven. And I had a huge, huge benefit from that. Another mental game, uh, uh, another mental game strategy, a mental game controllable that's very important for you to start understanding and incorporating is the importance of breathing. Many times we don't understand how important it can be to just control our breathing and to put mindfulness on our breathing day in and day out. Number one, it decreases stress. It sharpens focus. It minimizes negative thoughts. We talked in episode one about having true belief, and to have true belief, we had to fill ourselves with positive thoughts, positive self-talk. Breathing is one way you can help eliminate those negative thoughts. When those negative thoughts start to creep in your head, if you start doing some controlled breathing and your focus goes to the breathing rather than those negative thoughts, you clear those negative thoughts out. Breathing is also good for thoracic mobility and abdominal core strength. Two things that are outstanding and very important for a baseball player. So when you start thinking about your mental game controllables, control belief, put that on your bus. 
Be process-driven over results-driven. Put that on your bus and understand the importance of breathing and how much of an impact that can have for you. I talk to guys all the time at our events all over the country, and I tell them that they grow up in the, one of the greatest times there is to grow up for a baseball player. Because if you want to truly develop and get better and grow as a player, you have to go no further than the resources you have right at your fingertips. You can go on YouTube and you can type in breathing exercises for athletes. You can type in so many things and get instant feedback. It doesn't require a great trainer. It doesn't require a lot of money or private lessons. All it takes is a little initiative, a little effort, like we talked about in the daily controllables, and you can become the player you've always dreamed of being. The final controllable that we'll talk about today are preparation and training controllables. These are huge as they pertain to your performance on the field. Number one, you got to get strong. One of the biggest areas that high school players going into college baseball are most far behind is their strength in the weight room. You got to devote yourself to getting stronger. If I could go back and I could tell 17-year-old me, 18-year-old me, 19-year-old me, one piece of advice that would help them be a better player, I would tell them to fall in love with the weight room. I could never do it. I still have that challenge, and I have a hard time doing it to this day. But fall in love with the weight room. Fall in love with the process of getting in the weight room each and every day and devoting yourself to getting stronger. The second thing as it pertains to preparation and training controllables is to maximize mobility, flexibility, and how the body moves. I tell people all the time, baseball is a sport that requires athleticism, but unfortunately it does not breed athleticism. Some of the greatest players in the sport of baseball were players that gained their athleticism through other sports, soccer, football, wrestling, basketball. They gained that athleticism through those sports and then they carried it onto the baseball field and it helped them become a much better player. Take time to put emphasis and focus on your mobility, your flexibility, your athleticism. At the end of the day, you're only going to reach the highest goals you have for yourself and your biggest potential in the game of baseball if you move efficiently, elitely, and explosively. So you've got to take time to devote yourself to those things. We started doing studies my last couple of years in, in college coaching of our athletes, how they moved and what their biggest areas of deficiency were coming into the program. Many times we saw deficiency in three main areas. Thoracic mobility, which we just saw would be benefited through controlled breathing. Ankle mobility and hip mobility. Thoracic mobility, ankle mobility, hip mobility, those three areas were of the three biggest areas of deficiency of athletes entering in to the college level. You can work on those day in and day out. These things right here, these preparation and training controllables are like medicine for your game. They're like the daily medicine that you work on each and every day to make yourself a better player. And you can't shortchange these things. You can control exactly what you do, how often you do it, and how much effort you put into it. 
The second thing, uh, the third thing as it pertains to preparation and training and controllables are we want to train the ingredients required for your position. Many times we spend a lot of time devoted on the end result. As hitters, we spend a lot of time on swinging the bat, taking BP. As infielders, we spend a lot of time on taking fungos. As pitchers, we spend a lot of time on bullpens. But how much time are you devoting to the areas that you have control over, to the ingredients that go into being great at the position you play? Hand-eye coordination is an ingredient that is important in every position that you play on the baseball field. How much do you do to truly train hand-eye coordination? Rotational power is a core ingredient to being great at anything in the game of baseball, from hitting to throwing. How much time do you spend developing your core power? How much time do you spend on that controllable? Quickness, explosiveness, two key ingredients to being the best player you can be. How much time are you spending on the ingredients rather than the end result? If all you do is to take BP and hit fungos, and that's the extent of your training, then you are not doing it the right way or the most efficient way or the way to ensure that you push your development bar completely out of the screen. Because that's what we want. That's what we want. We want to develop to a point where we develop to a a level that we didn't even envision for ourselves. But you can only do that by training the ingredients. And the last piece of preparation and training controllables that you have is to foster a great training environment. There's a difference between practice and training. I don't know if that's ever been explained to you. Practice includes things like hitting off the tee and soft toss and easy BP. But if you're going to truly be a guy that in the midst of competition succeeds and performs and comes out on top, you have to understand the importance of training and you have to incorporate it into what you do day in and day out. You have control over this and you need to understand what training means. Training is doing something at a level equal or greater to what you're going to see in a game because that's what prepares us for the game. When you are training, it forces you to be process-driven over results-driven because training should be difficult. Training should be hard. It shouldn't be something that you just excel at. And if you're more concerned about the results than the process, when you're training, then you get defeated. Then you get discouraged. But if you understand that training is preparing for the games to be easier and you truly buy in to that thought process, that training is going to make the game easier, then you can accomplish great things, just like our offense did at Kennesaw State. I really changed our our focus and our direction as an offense and an offense in terms of development about three years ago. And I really bought into the training aspect, doing a lot of velo machine, doing a lot of breaking ball machine, doing a lot of randomized hitting drills, challenging our guys to get in there and compete in a training environment. They truly bought in to, it doesn't matter what our results are in the training. We understand that the training is designed to make the game 
easier. You incorporating training, true training, challenging training into what you do day in and day out, week in and week out is a controllable that you have. And you need to understand how important that is. That KSU offense the last three years led the Atlantic Sun Conference in almost every offensive category. I contributed a lot of it to having great hitters, but I contributed a lot of it to putting our great hitters in a great training environment, challenging them to be the best that they can be. And I I put a lot of it into them buying into the fact that no matter how they performed in that training environment, it ultimately made the game easier. And it showed with our performance. That closes out this episode. That closes out the first three controllables that we have control over, daily controllables of effort, attitude, energy, work ethic, positivity, and being a good teammate. Mental game controllables over of belief, being process-driven rather than results-driven, and breathing. And then finally, preparation and training controllables. Get stronger. Maximize your flexibility and your athleticism. Train ingredients rather than in results. And then foster a great training environment that truly challenges you to take your game to the next level. That's it for this edition of Riding the Bus. I hope that you'll join us next time as we dive into the final two controllables that you have. Once we finish the next episode, then you are ready. You are prepared. The foundation has been laid for you to truly start riding the bus. Until next time, keep your bus rolling.